This podcast is brought to you by the NATO Association of Canada and the University of Toronto's NATO Research Group. Ce balado vous est présenté par l'Association canadienne pour l'OTAN et le Centre de recherche sur l'OTAN de l'Université de Toronto. NATO was founded in 1949 with the primary purpose of countering the Soviet Union. Fast forward six decades and we find a very different world with very different security challenges. Concerns over state-on-state -state conflict are being replaced by the emerging threats of climate change, global inequality, water scarcity, and most recently, global pandemics. These global concerns do not stop at our borders. They have a way of impacting every facet of our daily lives. These global threats require global solutions. The United Nations offers a possible solution. Established in 2015, the 17 Sustainable Development Goals offers a blueprint to achieve a better and more sustainable future for all. These goals identify specific targets to measure our progress and keep countries on track to achieving them. The purpose of these goals is to address the many emerging concerns we as a society now face in our day-to-day -day lives. My name is Eric Jackson. I am a program editor of the NATO Association of Canada. Each episode, we'll explore how the Sustainable Development Goals relate and address global security topics. The goal of this podcast is to highlight the need to incorporate sustainability in all our solutions. The world is changing, so too should our approach to emerging threats. Welcome to Sustainable Security. I'm joined today by a special guest from the United Nations Association in Canada who will really speak to the origins of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals and really give an interesting perspective on the, the grassroots uh, perspective on them. With that said, I will pass it over to our special guest to introduce herself. Hi everyone, my name is Sophia Mirzai, and um, as Eric mentioned, I work for the United Nations Association in Canada, also known as UNAC or UNA Canada. Um, so I will most likely be using that short form uh, because it's a little bit of a mouthful. And essentially what I do for them, I'm a community liaison. So I work uh, specifically on their generation SDG program. So this is a program that helps youth between the ages of 15 and 25, create and implement uh, community projects that address one or more of the SDGs. Thank you so much for that, Sophia. No, we're, we're really excited to, to have you on the podcast and, and to sort of really talk to um, specifically a person from association with the United Nations, just because it is such an important uh, aspect of our, our global society. I was wondering if we could just kind of start with a, a, an overview of what the Sustainable Development Goals, or as we'll call it from here on out, SDGs, are from a historical context like what are the SDGs and, and how do we even get to them and how did society create them in the first place? So just to kind of give a little bit of an overview the SDGs were preceded by what were known as the Millennium Development Goals so those who have been in the international development sector for a long time probably remember the Millennium Development Goals really well they're also you know the acronym for them is the MDGs um, and they were essentially a set of eight goals that were adopted, I believe it was in 2000, but don't quote me on that because I'm not 100% sure, but it was in the early 2000s. And the aim of these eight goals was to eradicate extreme poverty. So some of the more specific goals were, for example, eradicating hunger, securing 
universal primary education, um, reducing child mortality, tackling diseases like HIV AIDS and a couple of other ones that I don't remember off the top of my head, but essentially the MDG, uh, as the MDG era was coming to an end, the UN decided to pass another resolution that would accelerate the process, um, the progress that they had already made on the MDGs, but also kind of broaden the scope of the goals and, and add additional goals. So they expanded it to 17 goals now, um, and they're known as the Sustainable Development Goals, the SDGs. And essentially, the SDGs are a collection of 17 goals that are interrelated. It's always important to emphasize that they are interrelated. And they, the ultimate aim of the SDGs is to secure a sustainable future for us all. And they help us ensure peace, prosperity for people and the planet through partnerships. Oh, that's brilliant. I mean, it's 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 fascinating to me how like the, the, we had this sort of transition from uh, these eight MDGs over to these mm -hmm. seventeen SDGs, and and, and on, on the surface, it, it seems like there's a lot of of these sort of overarching ideas and these interconnected ideas of sort of sustainable development and, and progressive development. Uh, and, and you at the United Nations Association have like really done a lot of work to sort of encourage youth to try to achieve them and pursue these goals. In your opinion, what is the best way that we, we as a society can actually achieve and address these sustainable development goals, both domestically and internationally? So I think that first and foremost, we really need to use a multifaceted approach when we're thinking about addressing the SDGs. I would say that it's important to use both a top-down and a bottom-up approach in tandem. So um, by bottom-up, I mean really building the capacity of grassroots organizations and movements, and essentially those who are already on the ground, already doing the work, and they've been doing it for decades, even before the SDGs were a thing. Um, so. Uh, uh, supporting them it entails providing, you know, adequate resources, funding, and really investing in grassroots movements and organizations because they already have a ton of insight as to what the gaps are in their regions and their communities. But the issue is that they don't always have the necessary resources to effectively address the issues. So it's important to make large investments in, in that area. So that's one sort of key element. But then also, I would say it's important that our institutions um, support the SDG agenda. And on top of supportive rhetoric, it's imperative that we have actual policies and practices on a political, economic, environmental, and social scale that very strongly align with the work that organizations on the ground are doing in order to achieve the SDGs. It's incredibly difficult to make any real advancements um, that are long-term and sustainable when there isn't that institutional support. Like that is really key. Um, and when there aren't actual governing policies that can sustain those efforts to address social problems. And what I love is that there's so many different kinds of individual little things that you can do in your daily life that actually do make a difference. Um, and it's important that people prioritize social problems, but not just 
value in understanding of social problems, um, but also value the process of creating solutions to them. That's very key. Um, and I think in particular, young people really should be put at the forefront of all of this because, you know, we might create incredible, amazing, sustainable, you know, projects um, or, you know, set up effective systems for achieving the SDGs, but it's really going to be young people who are going to carry these things forward into the future. So it's important that we get them involved as soon as possible in the SDGs. When you're addressing the SDGs, you really need to think about what are the symptoms of the social problems and what are the root causes? Yeah. Um, because you don't want to only focus on the sort of surface level symptoms that we're seeing, because when you focus exclusively on, on those elements, um, you're really just putting a bandage on something and there's no actual real sustainable, like transformative change that's occurring. And so I always, you know, I'm a huge advocate for really getting down, uh, doing kind of a deep dive and understanding what the underlying causes of said social problem is um, and really tackling those um, on top of also taking care of the symptoms as well, right? Yeah. Um, so you can't, you need to have both. You need to have an approach that targets the root causes, but then also helps treat the symptoms. And that is all I'm going to say about that question for now. <laughs> well, I, 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 this, this follow-up question actually might actually tie into exactly what you sort of ended off there, but sort of diving deeper into sort of these social issues and the, and the, uh, and the underlying sort of causes and effects of, of really what, what happens to us on a daily basis. So diving deeper, as you said, what exactly are the underlying concerns and security issues that the sustainable development goals are trying to address? As, as you said, there are like 17 of them. What are the specific concerns that the SDGs are trying to address? Like I mentioned earlier, there are 17 of them and each of them focus on one issue. And then each goal also has sub goals attached mm. to them. Um, so there could be, you know, so there's goal one, I believe goal one is no poverty. And then there's goal 1.1, 1.2, 1 1.3. <laughs> so it really gets specific, which is nice because that serves as a measurement model. Goal three is good health and well being. Uh, goal six focuses on clean water and sanitation. Uh, goal eight focuses on decent work. Uh, goal 13, climate action. Goal 16, peace, justice, strong institutions. And 17, I believe, is partnerships. So there's a wide range of goals. And I think it's important to understand, again, that they're all interrelated, um, as I mentioned earlier, and that there really is no use in addressing any of these goals in a vacuum, mm. right? So, so you mentioned security, you know, um, but in order to have security, you also need to um, address poverty. You oh, yeah. need to, it's all, you it's need, all interrelated. It's all interrelated. Like you cannot say that you have security unless you've tackled poverty, unless mm -hmm. you've tackled health, unless you've tackled um, like providing decent work for people. Um, so they're all interrelated. And I think that at the core of them, there's like just sort of this mandate of um, 
you know, prioritizing the human condition and, and thinking about, you know, human dignity um, and having that be, you know, there, there's very much like a values-based uh, foundation um, that the goals sit on top of um, that prioritizes human dignity and human respect and um, security and, um, uh, like a, a rice a rights-based approach because these all of these things are inalienable human rights so mm -hmm. when you look at it, at it that way um it really helps to kind of conte contextualize the goals I, I certainly want to highlight sort of the current sort of world as it is right now with the the pandemic we're going on and that sort of showcases and highlights that there are different other security concerns such as health security social security economic security and 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 climate security and 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 it's just everything is interrelated and um it's really important not to think of these issues in silos because that's when we really get into trouble and that's when we really really we can't find any solutions to these really complex and interesting problems absolutely yeah you when you're thinking about you know addressing one goal you have to also think about all of the other goals <laughs> at the same time because they all inform each other um, so moving on to sort of the, the, the final question I have for you today is, is sort of circling back to sort of who I am and, and what the association I'm with, and, and that is just NATO, NATO as like an overarching organization and, and security organization in the world. Um, and in recent decades, we've seen sort of NATO take on a broader mandate to sort of address political and environmental issues. Like recently, uh, the Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg really sort of made a priority that NATO will address climate change and NATO and climate change will be at the forefront of all the decision making. So I want to ask you, is like, what role do these organizations like NATO or any sort of regional security organization have in achieving uh, the the, the uh, sustainable development goals, considering that all of its members, like Canada, United States, France, Germany, England, they are very major players in the international system. So what role do these organizations have in achieving the SDGs? Right. So, I mean, first of all, I'd like to say that I'm, I'm so thrilled to hear that NATO is kind of um, undertaking, you know, environmental issues, for example, you mentioned, um, and that there is that sort of like understanding that security is 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 more than just security in a traditional sense. Yeah. That 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 it that there's a lot that needs to happen in order for people to feel safe and secure, um, and to actually be safe and secure in practice. Um, uh, so that's that's fantastic. Um, I think, and and again, um, I, I'm not an expert on the. I don't have very robust knowledge on on NATO and, and its work. But what I what I can say is that I think perhaps that NATO's main role lies in international cooperation around the SDGs. Um, another sort of common term that is used to refer to the SDGs is the global goals. Mm -hmm. So uh, that really kind of highlights the fact that this is really a global effort. And although each country has its own targets and that need to be reached, it's not enough for us to say, oh, hey, you know, in Canada, uh, we reach this goal and that goal and we're doing so well domestically or, um, you know, or Europe is doing so well um, on like in terms of a continent. Um, that's not nearly enough. Like we really need to think on a global le level and consider ways that we can cooperate. 
uh, with other nation states um, in order to achieve the goals, because ultimately the goals don't have borders, right? So, um, and then the other thing I think that, that I'm thinking about right now is, you know, organizations like NATO um, should keep in mind that there is no one size fits all model for the SDG solutions. Like there's, you know, something that works in one community in one region might not work in another community or regions. The SDGs really do manifest differently on a micro and a macro level. And so it's important to understand uh, and know what those differences are and what approaches are best suited for each context. So while it is, you know, a global effort to achieve the SDGs, I think it's also important to take into consideration like the regional context, mm -hmm. because we want our solutions to be tailored to those contexts so that they can actually be effective. And kind of using that one size fits all model just, just doesn't work. Um, and so I guess in some, so NATO's role I think could be very much uh, focused on the international cooperation sphere because without that without partnerships um the goals you know can only go so far like we can only do so much without that cooperation piece and then also um i i think that it's important for institutions to kind of adopt a very rights-based framework to their work and kind of make sustainability a guiding principle that they use uh, that informs all of the the practices, all of the work, all of the policies that they have. Uh, so if if NATO, you know, is is has that sort of kind of approach, then other organizations that are like-minded, other institutions can look at NATO and say, hey, like this is what they're doing, this is what how it's working for them, and this is how it's actually contributing to even more security mm -hmm. in a more robust way. And they can sort of adopt similar models. Uh, absolutely. And, and I think NATO, like from my personal perspective, I think NATO is like is situated in a perfect position to be a global leader in this sense, because the United Nations is, is a fantastic sort of global organization. But sometimes, unfortunately, we get these sort of conflicting ideas of like how to go forward stuff. But having like a smaller sort of regionally centered focus um, could be a really good leadership role for, for the world. And NATO is in, is in a perfect spot to, to play that role just because of the countries that make up the organization and just like the, the sheer power that comes from um, having a very large population and a very sort of large economic um, perspective in the world to really push forward and really um, address these goals that will make our society better in the future, both from security perspective and a, a, a general sort of human moral perspective. Absolutely. Likewise. And if anyone's interested in like learning about what UNA Canada does, we you can find us on our socials uh, at UNA Canada on Instagram and then U United Nations Association in Canada on Facebook. And we have a website as well. So we, we're always looking for um, people who want to get involved. Um, so feel free to take advantage of the many programs we have. Absolutely. Please, everyone, please do check them out because they are doing some phenomenal work in Ottawa. So thank you so much for, for listening in, everyone. And, and after a quick break, we'll be back with our second guest, a professor from the University of Toronto who uh, has some very fascinating insights from an academic perspective. So Sophia, thank you so much again. And I really did appreciate this conversation. Welcome back 
back to sustainable security. I am joined now by Dr. Erica DiRigurio, who is an Associate Professor of Global Health and Director of the Center for Global Health at the Dal Lara School of Public Health at the University of Toronto. She is also a faculty mentor at the REACH Alliance, which is a research group at the Monk School of Global Affairs Public Policy that examines global initiatives that seek to achieve the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. Dr. DiRigurio, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me, Eric. So you've worked extensively with the Sustainable Development Goals in your career at the University of Toronto. I was wondering if you can speak from an academic perspective, why is it important that we learn about the SDGs? Do they provide us a good lens into global development? Yeah, no, I think that's a great question. It's probably a question we could spend all day talking about. Um, I know you know this, but I think it merits repeating that global health issues are inherently complex and if the COVID-19 pandemic has shown us anything, they know no boundaries and um, they can have far reaching and, and undeniable impact on people here at home and around the world. Um, so I think the SDGs actually provide a really nice global framework for action, uh, focused not just on people, the planet, but also uh, peace and, and partnership. Um, they include 17 goals and over 169 targets and over 230 indicators. The other thing that's worth mentioning, uh, because this is a point of confusion, is that the SDGs are actually relevant to all countries, which includes Canada. Um, and so I think they provide a really good um, framework and blueprint for addressing challenges. And COVID-19 is really the latest health challenge as governments around the globe are experimenting with different protective measures that engage all sectors. Um, so I think issues like COVID, climate change, and many other issues really require an intersectoral approach, um, which really underpins the SDGs. And I think the other thing the SDGs remind us of, because they have a cross-cutting pledge of leaving no one behind, is that these global issues can have a disproportionate impact on um, marginalized communities. And so they help to remind us that we need to take an intersectoral lens, but also a lens that really uh, puts the emphasis on inequities. It, it seems really important that as like, the Sustainable Development Goals work towards sort of dealing with challenges and issues, we are sort of take that sort of intersectional approach to dealing with them. I want to go back to what you just mentioned about sort of the challenges and the, and the work to try to achieve and, and solve those challenges. Um, when someone mentions NATO, and this is sort of a, a podcast focused on from the perspective of NATO and security, but when someone mentions the words NATO and security in the same sentence, most people will automatically default to the idea of military security or the idea of armed conflict. But that's really not the only type of security or vulnerability that's present in today's world. As you mentioned, like the COVID-19 has really impacted and really highlighted that there are many different security concerns in the world, such as environmental, social, or specifically health-related security. How do we define security? How we define vulnerability, especially in today's world? Yeah, another really important and big question. I mean, I guess um, just to declare my perspective, since I do sit in a public health school, I think about security in terms of health security. In fact, the adjective in front of security actually does matter in terms of what we mean by it. But if I was to kind of define health security, it's really a concept that includes measures across sovereign boundaries that mitigate public health incidents to ensure 
that we sustain and protect the health of populations. And as you said yourself, COVID-19 is a case in point. Um, but I think we, we have to think about how um, different governments, including um, Canada's uh, foreign policy has typically um, included efforts to use health as an instrument of security and peacemaking. So, you know, one example might be um, in, in an effort to promote health security, we need to think about how we do that at the intersection of human rights. Canada, of course, has had a strong uh, feminist policy since 2017, and this speaks directly to one of the 17 SDGs, SDG 5, promoting gender equality. Um, Canada and other countries really also need to think about how to best in, um, advocate for international conventions via the UN and to also advocate for basic human rights. Um, but this can, of course, lead to bilateral tensions, as we've seen in negotiations with different countries. Um, I also wanted to touch on climate change because you mentioned that security concerns intersect with environmental ones. And of course, we can't be healthy as a population uh, globally um, without uh, paying attention to the health of our planet. And I think climate change is a really great example of where our domestic and foreign policy need to intersect and need to think about how we can secure the planet and its resources so that we can leave something for generations to follow. And how countries do this um, really does differ, but I think as COVID-19 has shown us, um, we can consume more responsibly and this in turn can translate into benefits for population health and for the health of our planet. And I would argue these are matters of security, uh, security of our people and security of the planet. You did just sort of mention about the intersectionality of these challenges and of these, uh, of these security issues and of the SDGs. Um, but as, like a, as a student myself and as a researcher myself, I sort of looked at the SDGs when I first started and I kind of, it's, it's very easy to think of them as in topics of silos and separate from each other and separate from one another. At the same time, it's also very easy to think of security as very separate and distinct from each other in these different sort of topics. I was wondering if you could speak to how these different types of security related issues and how the different SDGs are very much related to each other and if, if in fact they are interrelated and how they sort of work together to achieve different things. Yeah, no, a really good question. And I think you're right. At first blush, um, you know, people might take one goal at a time and hopefully they'll get to number 17, which is also very important. <laughs> yeah. So this is why they have to be seen as a set. And Millennium Development Goals really were a set of goals that were criticized for not actually putting uh, that focus on uh, intersectional and intersectoral approaches to very complex challenges, including the climate crisis, inequities, uh, COVID, et cetera. And so I think the SDGs provide that kind of opportunity if they are embraced as a set to really look at those intersections. Um, one point that I want to make, and then I thought maybe I would um, sort of walk us through one example about how those intersections could play out, if that's helpful. But the SDGs really, I think, need to force us to think about how we not only identify, but also prioritize global issues, and how this in turn is really affected by how our global capitalist economic system 
um, is organized and, and the kinds of unprecedented growth and material prosperity that it's focused on. And, you know, we don't have time to go into a major critique of that system, but what is central to that model, in my um, estimation, is that it promotes individualist and consumerist values that are premised on the idea of consume today and forget about tomorrow. And having an, an SDG agenda that is forward thinking, um, I think puts the attention on how we need to reimagine the economic, social and health systems and how we need to challenge these in order to prioritize and address security matters at the intersections of several um, SDGs. This of course um, requires us to also interrogate whose interests um, we're trying to advocate for um, in security measures and how they intersect with SDGs. You know, we've got a whole bunch of players that really are involved in what we call global health. So countries, private, public sector, organizations, civil society, philanthropic donors. So, and they aren't always on the same page. And so I think thinking about whose interests we're trying to, um, to advance globally is, is also important. Um, and then finally, I guess, um, just to get really concrete, I don't have time to go through every single SDG, <laughs> but um, if I take one of the SDGs that's focused on food security and, um, and again, even that one intersects with health, which is SDG three. It intersects with the, the, uh, the goal around eradicating poverty and hunger. Um, and just tying it back to the theme of this particular podcast, um, if we think about, you know, back uh, to World War II, you know, the, the role of actually um, the military in those days was to ensure global food assistance. And, and this had been quite prominent but um, with you know, ongoing famines that we're seeing in different parts of the world, you can see how conflict and weaker absent governance and environmental dry, uh, drivers such as drought can all in turn affect the security of a country and of people, but also influence food security. So you know, again, this is an example of how multiple SDGs have to be looked at when we're thinking about a problem like food security. Um, in, in different contexts. And, um, you know, as we've seen, conflict-affected states uh, can also demonstrate how violent conflict exacerbates food insecurity. So by only looking at food insecurity as a health issue um, or as um, an issue that um, is about prom supporting countries to achieve food security, um, we do so at our peril without looking at sort of the socio-cultural and political context. And that means looking at um, an issue like food security through the lens of multiple SDGs. Well, that's, that's a very, very important way to look at it. It's, it's all sort of interrelated, all affects each other. And there's always going to be some sort of interplay between ideas and concepts and, and issues that, that challenge our day-to-day -day life. Um, I especially loved your example there about sort of global health and and, and, and making sure that we have enough food um, and, and tying that back to World War II, guys, that was a very big issue in World War II was making sure that the population had enough food to eat. I, I suppose one final question to, to finish off our, our interview, going forward, and, and you've done a lot of work at the REACH Alliance examining global initiatives and, and trying to achieve these SDGs, but going forward, what challenges do we face in achieving the SDGs? Is the pursuit of a safer, more secure world, which is like the overarching mandate of NATO, 
is it closely tied to the achievement of the sustainable development goals? Yeah, I, I mean, I would say yes. Um, and I think one of our challenges is that we come up with different frameworks and we can run the risk of sidelining or uh, marginalizing um, a framework like the SDGs. And I'm not here to promote it as the only approach to thinking about uh, complex problems um, that cut across health, social and economic systems. But it is a, a framework that has been ratified by over 193 member countries. And so I think it's a reasonable place to start. But it, it can't, um, a framework is just a framework. And so you have to give it legs. And I would say that we need strong institutions that can work across country interests and negotiate effectively. This is where multilateralism is really, really important. Um, in, and, and how countries need to be um, working more through bilateral and also multilateral tables to work towards that increased global cooperation using the SDGs um, as a frame. And I think this also uh, reinforces the kind of relationship building and negotiation processes that um, a field called global health diplomacy helps to bring to the table. And I would then, of course, argue that health also needs to be a consideration um, in these security discussions. And so by putting greater attention to this sense of global solidarity and shared humanity and shared agendas across countries, rather than a siloed approach, um, which can be better achieved through improved bilateral and multilateral negotiations, we need stronger global institutions um, and we can't silo health from security discussions. And the SDGs, I think, provide us um, with a good place to start. That's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. To learn more about the NATO Association of Canada, look us up online at natoassociation.ca and follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook to stay up to date on all things NATO. Until next time, take care.